the uh, most important lesson you've ever learned in your life? It's a great question. It's a great question. And so I've heard hundreds of different people from different walks of life say, here's the most important lesson I've ever learned in my life. And as I look back and reflect on it, there's only one thing that all of those answers have in common. What's the most important lesson you've ever learned in your life? Only one thing. And that is, every time I ask that question, Randy, every time, when they give me that lesson that they learned, it always includes failure. I've never had anybody say, let me tell you, the most important lesson I learned in life is I was just very successful for 30 years, didn't have any losses, didn't have any misses. And, and it's just, you know, it just it was just amazing. It's just compound, and here I am today. And uh, <laughs> I, I've never, never heard that story. It's, you know, somebody says, well, you know, really, honestly, uh, I was in business, and I went bankrupt. And I had to pull back and evaluate and say, what happened? Or they'll say, you know, I lost a child. Or, you know, I, or maybe I lost a marriage. It, every time, the lesson is always learned out of failure. As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Well, welcome to this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I'm Kristen, and as always, sitting across the table from Randy. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Kristen. I'm glad to sit down with our listeners again and share some more nuggets and leadership and have this kind of a... Well, green room off the, talk. Off the radar green room talk today. So I know. It's the best. Forward. It's the best kind of conversation. It's real. It's authentic. And that's your heart from this for this whole podcast. Maybe we have some new listeners that yeah. are joining us uh, this year, New Year 2023. Maybe mm-hmm. you picked up a new podcast and you're joining us and we're glad to have you here. But why don't you remind people what the heart is of this podcast? Well, the Relate Network really is about doing two things. One is giving resources to pastors and leaders. Uh, because uh, not that there aren't great resources out there, because they there are, there are, are abundant. But I think that when it comes to church and helping train leaders and churches, uh, our involvement with the ark and training and planting thousands of churches across America and, and also what we do around the world, I think there's some great content here. So we want to provide that. But it's called the Relate Network because there's a relational side to it. Right. And honestly, most of us, our lives aren't always changed because of content, but it's the people that we do life with as we develop content and grow in our leadership. And that's what Relate Network is all about. And the podcast is just simply an opportunity for us to have these kinds of relational conversations regarding content and just life in yeah. general so that we can be empowered to be the greatest leaders in the church. That's what it needs. Absolutely. And maybe have a little fun. In Go. The episode too. So. We're, we're going to laugh. We're going to laugh. <laughs> That's 100% going to happen. And we do several things. Um, and one of those is also uh, not just this podcast, but also a conference that we have every year, uh, the Relate Conference. And it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, beginning of March, March 7th and 8th. And it's it, we're hosting it here at Bayside. Um, and we'd love for you to consider joining us. It's such a great time. Connect with leaders and pastors, and mm-hmm. you'll share your heart for the 
for the church as a whole, the capital mm-hmm. C church, yes. um, not to do ministry life, ministry and life alone. You know, it, what we hear about the Relate Conference is that it is refreshing and encouraging and empowering, but it's very spiritually rich. Yes. And uh, we want to make investments in leaders because a lot of times we give so much, our tank runs empty. And so you need a place where you can go and you can receive. And this year will be no different with people like my brother, Rick Bezet will be here, Stephen Chandler, Charlotte Gamble. And the reason why those people are here is because they have something they want to invest into the church. And so bring your whole team, really, because it's not just for lead pastors. It's for everybody in your team. And uh, we do. We have roundtables and it's it's conversations. We have lots and lots of conversations mm-hmm. um, yeah. for people to walk away with those rich relationships. Yep. And I think that's what sets it apart so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you have those moments with God that we all need. Uh, but then you also walk away with a phone number in your pocket That's exactly or your phone. Right. And when you get back home and you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, wait, I think I met somebody that might be able to help me. Um, yep. And, you know, we don't usually have all the answers, but we no. like to help. But we're better together. And we are. And we, we learn, learn, we learn from, from each other. We most certainly do. And we need each yeah. other. So. so look forward to seeing you at the Relate yes, Conference. It's yes. going to be a good time. It is. Well, today on this episode of the podcast, um, it I, I got to say, I'm a little extra excited. <laughs> Um, because we have a very good friend of yours who I'm going to just claim as a friend of mine now. Um, I am your friend. <laughs> Come on, Kristen. Yes. We're buddies. Yes. If you don't know that voice, uh, we do have a good friend around the table with us. John Maxwell is here in the studio. And I can hear and the crowd, the listeners, the roar. They, they're probably pulling off the side of the road <laughs> so they can like take notes. That's what I would do. Like, wait, or, or I, checking to see who I am. <laughs> who, who, who is that man? Yeah. 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 Google John Maxwell. Yeah. Absolutely. Just scroll If you pages. don't know who he is, then just oh. turn the podcast it off. Is, how do you in, okay. How do you introduce someone who doesn't need an introduction because of the value that you have added to so many of our lives. It's just incredible. Well, you don't introduce them. You don't have to. In fact, I tell people all the time, this is the way it works. You know, because some introductions are very important to some people. And I, I tell people that if you're really good, you don't even need an introduction. And and, and if and if you're bad, a good introduction won't help you. <laughs> is that true? I mean, I, I've heard people speak before, and I, I mean, they're about two minutes in, and I'm thinking, let's go back to the introduction. It was better than, than what their content is. Oh, wow. so, that's bad when your introduction is better than you exactly, are. That's exactly. You say, please, could we do the introduction again? <laughs> so I, I just tell people, you know, it's very simple. My name is John, and I'm your friend. And that's, you know, that's good enough. I think probably, I don't know if, if they're going to do something on the hit on the tombstone. I, I think I just would like him to say his name was John and mm. he was your friend because that's really how I approach everything I do in life is, is I don't, I don't want fans. I want friends. And, uh, there's a lot of difference. If you, ha- if you have fans, there's a separation and, and there's something about a fan that they look at somebody they admire and they say, I could never get there. That's, that's one of the reasons they're a fan. It's kind of like, Oh my gosh, they're amazing. I, I, I want people when, They've come into contact with me. I, I don't really care much about them thinking I'm amazing. I just like for them to think they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, and, and let me just say this about you, John, that you, you do that very well. Thank uh, you. You're I a do friend of me. And, I am. And I, you are, most certainly are. But I see you do that with people that you just met. Yeah. You did that with a lady today at lunch. Yeah. Everywhere you go, I've seen you do that around the world. 
You are a great friend. And you're a great friend to a lot of listeners. If you don't know John Maxwell, <laughs> he really is your friend. And you need to listen and read all his stuff. And you, just, <laughs> you need to get around where he's dripping whatever he's dripping and you need to receive from it thank you for being here today well, i'm delighted i hey, hey today we're gonna do some dripping in the green room yeah. Don't we, huh? yeah. yeah and i i'm i'm also pretty excited because we were kind of having pre-recording conversations and what we're going to talk about today is pretty pretty fresh stuff it's it's kind of you're hearing it very early and very first um, some thoughts that you've been chewing on, you've been thinking about, and it's all around you. You you use this phrase of of how to receive a return on failure. That's the phrase. What what? Write that down. Write it down. But mm. what? How do you how do you receive that a in and of itself? Failure? Though is just so opposite thinking. Which totally. Most people are trying to, how do I get a return on the things I'm doing right? I'm maximizing sure. my time and my sure. talents sure. and my treasures. Sure. So I get the best ROI. But no one's talking about how to get an ROI on your failures. <laughs> John Maxwell has done it again. That's how you build your audience. Talk about something no one else is talking about. <laughs> yes. But the moment you talk about it, it makes sense. And people say, oh, my gosh, yeah, this really does rework. And, and they really... When, Chris, I love it when you talk about the fact that um, they're going to hear something new. It, you know, so let me tell you, the good news is you're going to hear something that's kind of fresh and new. The bad news is I have a whole teaching on you're never good the first time. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's kind of like, oh, it was so engaging and warm and, and personal and so lousy, too. It's just, why don't they work that topic a little bit more before, before they really talk about it? But I, um, I'm writing a book right now on how to receive a return on failure. And uh, it really comes out of a conversations that I've done. Uh, for 40 plus years, I've had what I call learning lunches. This is life changing. Uh, every month, I'm very disciplined in this every month. In fact, I just had one um, a couple days ago. Every month I, I sit down with somebody that's bigger, better, faster, smarter than me, and I buy their lunch. And and I, I tell them, I said, the good news, I'd like to buy your lunch. and and I'd like to have an hour and a half if I can have. And I have seven questions I want to ask you. And I've done this for 40 years. So I've done this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And one of the seven questions I ask people is, uh, what's the uh, most important lesson you've ever learned in your life? It's a great question. It's a great question. And so I've heard hundreds of different people from different walks of life say, here's the most important lesson I've ever learned in my life. And as I look back and reflect on it, there's only one thing that all of those answers have in common. What's the most important lesson you've ever learned in your life? Only one thing. And that is every time I ask that question, Randy, every time, when they give me that lesson that they learned, it always includes failure. I've never had anybody say, let me tell you, the most important lesson I learned in life is I was just very successful for 30 years, didn't have any losses, didn't have any misses. And, and it just, you know, it just it was just amazing. It just compound, and here I am today. And uh, <laughs> I, I've never, never heard that story. It's, you know, somebody says, well, you know, really, honestly, uh, I was in business, and I went bankrupt. And I had to pull back and evaluate and say, what happened? Or they'll say, you know, I lost a child. Or, you know, uh, or maybe I lost a marriage. It, every time, the lesson is always learned 
out of failure. In fact, Bill Gates said, this is huge. He said, success is a lousy teacher. It makes people think that they can never lose. And that's not only a lousy teacher, it's a very deceitful picture because that's not true. All of our lessons come out of failure. So really, Kristen, when I just started writing this book, I thought, I don't hear anybody talking about the value of failure, the, the, the return that's there. And yet, if it's the most important lesson you've ever learned, you have a great indebtedness to the ingredients of how that lesson was learned. You, I mean, you've got to say, this was a big turnaround for me. So I decided to write the book, and I'm writing the book right now as you are watching or listening. And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you it's fresh and it's new and so let's talk well, about I'm, it. I'm ready to hear. Like, tell us what. what give us one of the first. I'm ready to take notes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, children. We're all, ready. All, right. all right. Ready? Get set. You know, here we go. Here we go. Well, okay. For, let me give you an example. One of the things I teach in the book is that people need to keep failure and success together. Now, we are never taught to do this. Our culture never teaches us this. In fact, here's what you hear when you hear when people talk about failure. They'll say, succeed, don't fail. They, they put them at opposites all the time. Or, or they'll say, you know, uh, make sure you do it right. Don't mess it up. And, and they always are in opposition of each other. And they're not supposed to be in opposition of each other. And they're not supposed to be separated. And I ask myself all the time, why do people do this? Well, they do it because... They want to do well in life, and they don't want to fail, which I understand that. None of us want to fail. That's kind of like an IQ test. But the issue really is that they need and they should always belong together. Go, let's go back to the question I ask at the learning lunches. What's the most important lesson you ever learned? In that lesson, failure is always included. And I've never known anybody who said something like, you know, I succeeded in life for six months without failure, and then and then I failed for two months without success. Where did we get this isolation? They, they belong together, and when they are together, what's beautiful about it is they make both better. Failure makes success better, and success makes failure better. Let me explain. When I'm succeeding and I'm doing really well, I'm on a roll, well, the tendency is when you're doing really well, if, if you're not careful, you're going to get a little careless and you're going to get quite arrogant. It's kind of like, wow, I'm kind of call me Mr. Midas. Here we go. What can I touch? You need to get failure right beside success when you're succeeding a lot because failure keeps you humble. And I want to tell you something. You remove humility from a person's life and it's tragic because humility is all about being teachable. When you see a humble person, Kristen, they're very teachable. They don't think they've learned it all, and they want to ask questions, and they're not afraid to say, I don't know the answer. So you got to keep humility right beside success so when you are succeeding, you never lose that teachable spirit of, I've got more to learn. Does that make sense? It makes yeah. sense. So that's why you have these learning lunches, of which in essence, when you say keep failure close to you, it was staying teachable, staying humble. The fact that you're always learning and asking questions and realizing you're, you're, totally. you don't have the Midas touch, yeah. that's how you keep failure close to success. In fact, out of asking that question, what's the most important lesson you've ever learned, Randy, comes another question in my seven questions, and that is how has failure shaped your life? And I never have anybody ever in that learning lunch have a difficult time talking about how failure has shaped their life because failure shapes every person's life. So if I keep 
if I keep failure close to success, it gives me humility. But okay, now we have bad days too, and so we're over here in the ditch. You okay? This isn't good. And we get discouraged and we want to quit. And, and you know, it's, it's just not a good day. You need to keep success right, right beside that failure because success right beside failure will teach resiliency. This is huge. So, so when I'm failing, I'm in the ditch, I'm still resilient because I kept success close enough to me. If I remove success from failure, I give up. I die in the ditch. I die in wow. the ditch. If I keep failure away from success when I'm on a roll, I become arrogant, non-teachable. And uh, I was in a Q&A recently, and somebody asked me the question. They said, well, when, did, when was your last failure? And I said, well, it's been within the last couple weeks. And they said, well, what was it? I said, well, let me think about it for a moment. And, 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 and I got, then I got embarrassed because I couldn't pull it out real quick. But I knew it had to be within the last couple of weeks. And, and, I, and, and I said, I'm so sorry. Right now, I, it's not coming to me, but I know it's been the last couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful thought, the light came on. And I said, oh, let's just reverse the question. If you ask me when's the last time I succeeded, I would say within the last couple of weeks. But if you ask me what the success was, I'd have to pull it out. Now, don't miss this. When success and failure are together, they even each other out. They bring maturity to your life and balance. So when success is with failure, failure is not as bad as it normally is if it's isolated. And when failure is with success, success is not as great as if it's isolated. So what happens is you're succeeding, you're failing, but you're not having these tremendous highs and you're not having these ridiculously discouraging lows. So your life isn't mm -hmm. like up and down. It's, it's quite even. And, and it, yes, I lost a little bit today, but it was a good day. And yes, I, I, yeah, oh my gosh, I had a, you know, I, I got some wins, but it, we, you know, we still have some challenges in life and you be, you even out. And I just have found, and it was, it was just like totally light coming in when I realized, okay, I had a hard time pulling out my failure in the last couple of weeks, although I know I had some, had some within the last couple of days. But the reason I had a hard time pulling them out is because when you put them together, neither one is as great as you think it is, and neither one is as horrible as you think. Does that make sense to you, yeah, Kristen? It does. It does. And so that's... That's great stuff. Is that, does that work? Absolutely it works. Keeps it, the highs from not being too high and the lows from being yeah. too high. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And it, just by keeping together. So, you know, you know, there's good in every day. And I don't mean this unkindly. There's bad in every day. I mean, really? I, I don't know. I don't know. I suppose I've had a day when everything was perfect, but I don't remember it if I did. Right. But I've also had days when it's like, oh, my gosh, why did I get up? But there was some good in it, too. So I think when we separate them, we just don't do either one justice and it gets us off track. If, 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 if that so experience is not the best teacher. No. Evaluated experience oh, is. Oh, there's a good man. Where did you get such wisdom, Randy? Mm. <laughs> mm, that is the man so himself. So Ooh. what? What? how do you evaluate those, those things to keep them so close together? What questions and evaluations do you make along well, the what way? Well, you, what, you, what you do is, let's say that I, I'm, I'm really depressed or down and I just... I, I, I've got to ask myself, now, why am I there? 
And almost always it's because I forgot the big picture and I, I allowed the losses to, to weigh too heavily upon me without realizing that there were some wins in those losses or vice versa. So you evaluate each day with the big picture. You don't, ev- you don't evaluate the moment. You value the moment, but you don't evaluate the moment. It's the moments mm-hmm. that give you the proper big picture wow, perspective. That, you said evaluate the moment with the big picture. Yes. Or evaluate the day with the big yeah, picture. Yeah, and you value the moments, Kristen. So, so I value every moment. Yes. But if you evaluate the moment, it doesn't have context. And so I tell people, the moment you shrink the picture, you don't get the big picture. So you stay in the ditch or you That's exactly stuck. right. We we all do. It just it's That's it's so good. it's pretty amazing when you yeah. really when you, when you really begin to pull it out, you just wow. say, "Wow, you know, this stuff really works." So in other words, we need to evaluate. We need to ask questions about what am I learning through all of this? How did I end up in the ditch or how did I end up on this mountaintop? When I evaluate those, then it gives value to those moments. You got it. I've learned. You get 100 Right there, you passed the quiz. You did. And let me just say, let me just say something else that I talk about in the book, if it's okay. And I've had, I have, these are chapters, but I have a chapter on encourage others with your failures. And I think this is a big miss. And, and okay, for the first 25 years, you know I was a pastor. So go, let's go back away. So I'm just a kid. I'm in my 20s. By the time I'm 28, I have the 10th largest church in America. And I put together a church grow conference. Now, that's no big deal. I mean, my gosh, think of your conference just coming up that you're talking about that's so good you want to attend that for sure. But when I put on a conference, nobody had a church grow conference. I, I mean, it, it, it wasn't like next week there's another one somewhere else. And, and I just wanted to help people know how to grow a, a, a church. And much to my surprise, I'm 28 years old and I'm having... 1,500 pastor leaders come to this conference. And it's kind of a little bit beyond me, honestly. And so I I brought in, it was a two-day conference, and I had four speakers. I was one of the four. I I went last. But I had three other speakers. And uh, the first morning, I mean, the place is packed. Everybody's excited. And the pastor gets up, and he talks about all the things he's doing that were pretty wonderful and amazing to, you know, and people are clapping and cheering. And, man, I thought that was That was amazing. That was good. Everybody's kind of set their bar a little higher. In the afternoon, pastor gets up and he talks about how amazing he is and all of his successes. And probably about four, four thirty, I'm work starting to wind the day down. And I'm I'm saying to myself, I'm not saying the people are saying, I'm saying to myself, I think I've handled. I think I've got about all the success I can handle. I mean, I mean, we just honestly. I knew both of the guys, and they were really successful, but they weren't that good. I mean, they were—they weren't that good. And, and I'm just—and I'm kind of—I don't know. Maybe this never happens to you, but I, I was starting to get a little depressed over success, and and I began to see this gap really widen between the speakers and the pastors. So I was inexperienced. If I was experienced, knew what I knew. Now I would go talk to the third speaker who was going to speak the next morning and say, we got to talk about it. What, what, are, you, what are you going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Because what we've had enough of is success. So let's choose another subject. But I, I, I was young, and I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm 28. Next guy gets up the next morning, and he does a whole morning of success. 
And I think, crap. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like, I'm going to have to go find a bridge and jump off of it or something. I mean, <laughs> success, success, success. And again, they were all very good pastors, and they all had a lot of success in life, but they weren't telling the whole story. They weren't telling. They were acting like, you know, just touch it, and it turns to gold. So I remember we were supposed to we both days we had I had lunch with him because I wanted to have fellowship with him and I dismissed myself guys I said I can't have lunch today I said I got to go work on a lesson and I remember pulling off into my office grabbing my legal pad and writing as fast as I can of every stupid dumb thing I've done in my life and 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 in in 45 minutes I had three legal pages full of a teaching that I did that afternoon and the and the, and the teaching was flops failures and fumbles and I got it from those pastors, and I said, I don't know about you, but I'm full of success now. I can't handle any more of it. Because my life isn't that good, and I'm going to tell you all of the stupid things that I've ever done. And so some of us going to be under flops, some of us going to be under <laughs> fumbles, and some of us going to be in failures, but it's none good. It's, it, you, you, I'm not going we're, to, we're, we're just going to, be flopping, failing, and fumbling <laughs> for the whole time. The room just lightened up. Wow. And, and the countenance changed. And I began telling all the stupid things that I, I've done in my life. And I mean, it wasn't hard because I've done a lot of... I remember in that church where I was, there was only there were only like 25,000 people in the town, and we had 3,000 of them in our church. And, and I remember wow. having this idea that we were going to get somebody from every block in the city of Lancaster to come to our church on a special day. And I had this blown up 40 by 60 map with every block in the city. And we were going to put stakes in every block as we had people saying yes, that they would come to us on that church on that. And the first Sunday it looked great because everybody that came to church, we put the, you know, we, we yeah. had the, <laughs> by the third week in this five week campaign, I realized that we were hopelessly never going to fill every block coming to our church. I never took time to even count how many people that would be. And, 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 and all of a sudden, there's nothing like having a 40 by 60 mistake visually in front of the whole auditorium, and you've got this vision and goal, and everybody said, oh, my goodness, we are not going to get there. I started telling stories like this. The pastor started <laughs> laughing, crying, clapping, cheering. And when I finished, the only thing I said was, I've told you a lot about my failures. I've tried to make up for all the success you heard. But I said, I do want you to understand something. Look at the facility. Look at where we are. And it's the first time I used the comment, Randy. We did learn how to fail forward. Mm. Now, back then, we had these walnut sack duplicators that had these cassettes. This is so Neanderthal. And and you'd go back and you'd put the message and, and you'd run these Wallensack and, and and you know you could run off like we had like twenty Wallensack. So I mean you could run off fifty cassette tapes in maybe a minute and a half or whatever yep. it is. And so we got this production room. And so the pastors were used, they'd go back and get the tape. They would go back and get the tape. True story. For over an hour, pastors stood in line to get that tape. I literally had a pastor write me afterwards, and he said, I was, I, I came, I, this was in Ohio. He said, I drove back to Kansas, and I listened to the tape seven times. Now, why did he listen to the seven times? And this is where, this is when I learned. I was 28. Here's what I learned. This is huge. If you want fa fans, make a, make a big separation between you and the people. 
if you want a friend, you got to close the gap. You want to be on the same level. And, and that day I closed the gap. And I saw how refreshing it was because all of a sudden I taught something that every pastor could say, okay, I can identify with that. And I encouraged them with my failure. And I determined that day that I would never do a success story without saying, let me explain. It wasn't that quick. It wasn't that easy. And I wasn't that good. And it's, it's, it's just, it was like, it was a life changing learning experience. I had a, had at my own conference about, if you want to impress people, talk about your success. If you want to impact them, talk about your failure. You and know, I, most I want pastors, to impact them. Most pastors, uh, well, we all want to be liked. Everybody does. But you, as a leader, as a pastor, you're like, I need to, these people need to respect me so they'll follow me. So we feel like we need to impress them and not share our weaknesses. But what we fail to realize, it is in that that makes you real and as you just said, it narrows the gap between yeah. them and you, and then they want to follow you and they want to listen to you. You know what, and Randy? So, it made me John, it, it their did. friend. Mm -hmm. That's what it made me. I became yeah. John, their friend. And success is success is a terrible separator, and I, I work hard on it. I, I I can remember when I started off and I'd hold these conferences. And I love the breaks. I love the breaks not to go in the green room. I love the breaks. I would go down to the front and pastors would gather around and for 20 minutes during the break, I'd just meet them and find out who they were and, and have a relationship with them. And I loved it. I just loved that. I can still remember the day when I thought, okay, I'll go down you know, during the break and we'll do, and I see that some of them are bringing books and they're wanting me to sign the books. And I said, sure, I'll sign a book. And all of a day, my all of a sudden, Within a period of about a year, my life went from being one of the boys where I could talk to them and enjoy them to now I'm an author, and they're in a line, and I'm signing books. And as I'm signing books, I'm saying to myself, I'm getting separated. Wow. I'm getting separated. And then it was not like, would you sign my book, but could I have a picture? We're getting separated. We're getting separated. And I didn't like it. And that's why I do everything in my power to walk slowly through the crowd and mm -hmm. just help people to understand that you know what they're going through because you go through it too and that you're not immune from losses and misses. I think, you know, just, you know, hey, I just want to be your friend, Kristen. That's it. <laughs> just your you, buddy. I want you to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> See, we are. We are. Right. It's the way it works. Oh. That's it's so rich. It's so rich what you're sharing. I th I think we've got time for one more. Nugget, oh yes, if we please. Can go a we'll keep going a little bit. Uh, John probably has one more. Nugget. I, I I know he's gonna have to dig <laughs> well, deep, but for you that see this visually. <laughs> all right, give us just just go to the buffet. You can have any of those okay. nuggets. Any of those nuggets give you really want. Give us the best one. Scroll, okay, because okay, they're really good. Greg, what's the best? Oh, okay. okay, okay, okay. I, this is going to be so good, and I can do this in an hour. So just relax. This, <laughs> this will. This would. This would huge. I, and again, I've never read any. I've never read anything on this. I, it isn't like I. You know, most a lot of my ideas come from someone else, and, and I just try to improve them. But I have a chapter in this book called "Understand the Difference Between Good Misses and Bad Misses." Okay. 
How do you do that? Because when we have a miss, there's a possibility in that miss that we didn't get what we wanted, but we moved closer because of it. Okay. There's also a possibility in that miss that we were so far off that we've now taken three steps backward. We're further, we're further away. Hmm. And so the question is a good miss moves me closer and a bad miss pulls me farther away. And I've got to know that because a miss is not, all misses are not created equal. All failures are not created equal. I don't hear anybody talk about this, but they're not. Think about it. They're not created equal. It's highly possible that I fell short but I learned from it. Oh, okay. Let me, for example, and now, and, and then you, your audience is so smart. I don't need to keep teaching. They'll get it, and and we'll all be happy, and and the podcast won't last too long. Here, here. Now, watch how this works. This is very simple. Let me give you a good miss. A good miss is when I fail. I I, I fall. I didn't hit it. I made a mistake. I came up short. A good miss is when I make adjustments. I look at that and I think, okay, I need to change a couple things here so that I can hit it next time. I, I was playing golf one day with Tom Watson. And uh, in fact, we had a great time. In fact, Randy's a great golfer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a duffer. In fact, Randy says the only problem with my golf game is I'm too close to the ball after I hit it. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a donkey. Anyway. So 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 yeah here you got to you, you gave away my secret golf lesson. Yeah yeah well no Randy Randy's a very very good golfer but but I want you to know at Sugarloaf on the 10th hole on a par 5 I got a birdie and Tom Watson got a par. And as we're walking off the green he looks at me and smiled put his hand on my shoulder and said John you beat me on that hole. I can't tell you how good that made me feel. Now <laughs> let me explain to you. It was 1 out of 18. <laughs> Okay, but that's the hole we're talking about. But that's the whole. <laughs> yeah, that's the hole we're talking about. So we're having dinner that night, and, and you know I think he's won fifty four tournaments, a lot of tournaments. He's he'd be one of the ten greatest golfers ever, don't you think? Yes. So so anyway, and he said to me, "There are only five golf tournaments I have ever won. That on the first day on the first tee, I just kind of looked and said, I think this will be mine." He said, "I was just in a rhythm." And all four days, I stayed in the rhythm. I never got out of sync, and I won the tournament, and I thought, oh, my gosh, isn't golf a wonderful game? He said, in every other tournament, somewhere on one of those days, I started losing part of my swing, and I have to go to the driving range, and I have to go make adjustments. I have to go figure it out. And then he said the phrase I loved, and he said, almost tournament, every tournament I've won almost, I had to adjust my way to victory. That's a good miss. Mm. That is a good miss. That's a good. Are you with me? Yes. A good miss is when I make adjustments. Now, fasten your seatbelt, listeners. I'm going to give you a bad miss. A good miss is when I make adjustments. And a bad miss is when I make excuses. Wow. What do you do with a person that makes excuses? Mm. You, you can go from failure to success much better and easier than you can go from excuses to success. And, and the problem is, the challenge is, the best excuse that we really have is the worst excuse. Because in the best excuse, I believe it. In other words, it's, it's so good of an excuse. I buy into that and say, well, there really is, there really is a reason why. Hmm. 
And so if it's a lousy excuse, we already know it's a lousy excuse. Everybody knows it's a lousy excuse. <laughs> We're just flinging mud on the wall and hoping something sticks. Mm-hmm. But but when it's a real good excuse, I so what I watch, I don't watch my lousy excuses. I just say that's a lousy excuse. But on my good excuses, I have to really carefully evaluate those and say, don't believe that, John. You believe that excuse? You will never hit that ball right again. So the best excuse of the world. So a good miss is we make adjustments. A bad miss is we make excuses. And it's called how to receive a return on failure. And sometime in late fall 2003, that book will come out but i'm i'm having i'm having a blast writing it it's yeah it's i've, I've written eight i've written about it well i've written nine about 90 books somewhere in there but I, this one um i've never written a book quite like this it i sit down with my four color pen i did this morning and in my legal pad and i just just writing i just i just write it so anyway so that is great why don't we all as leaders listening to this or watching this whether it's just getting dropped or whenever you listen to it, mm-hmm. let's take responsibility for the things that are not where we want them to be in our life right now. Correct. There's mm-hmm. a failure. Mm-hmm. So take some time. This podcast is ending. Take some time. <laughs> Look at those areas where you're missing the mark, where you're failing. Could be gross. I mean, it could be a gross failure. Could be something minimal. And then evaluate it and say, what can I adjustments can I begin yeah. to make now that it makes it a good failure? rather than a bad failure yeah that's that's really that and it seems so simple and it is and that's the great thing about leadership that you provide john it is thank you it's it's not that it's simple in the fact that you're not a great thinker it's simple in the fact that it gives us something to do so we can Mm -hmm. achieve that and i think we can all go do that thank you yeah i do my best yeah great job what a friend (laughs) you do it well and we thank you so much for being uh, with us today around the table and all the nuggets. I wish I wish I could get his phone <laughs> and just read through okay. the content. We need to come up there with it. it. Is. Could you imagine? You imagine what's on there? I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak some stuff. Right <laughs> oh yeah. It, uh, have it had has it been. because you can have all of it because I'm going to develop more tomorrow, so <laughs> it's no problem. And I, I, you are always learning. Always. Always learning. Learning. Mm-hmm. which helps us always learn. Yeah. yeah. And uh, thank you for modeling that so My well. Joy. Thanks for having and me. And we're so glad you were here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. It's been fun. And uh, I hope we see some new listeners at the Relate Conference. Um, and if you're catching this after the Relate Conference, you come to the next one. You missed it. You know, we'll, we'll do, do it, it again. every year. Do it again the first do Tuesday it. and Wednesday And then we'll, we'll talk about the latest John Maxwell book that you've read yeah. and what you've learned. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Thank How about you. that? Well, thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.